Point out the colors of you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We wait to fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Well, hello and welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast mini episode, something I'd like to call Moments of Influence. Each uh, episode, what we're going to do is kind of go through a piece of media, whether it's film, a TV episode, book, or even music, uh, and talk to somebody who, where that certain piece of media has been influential in their lives and is kind of helped define or shape who exactly they are. Today, my first guest is none other than Chris O'Brien. None other. The, the uh, infamous, right? The infamous. <laughs> Yeah, some people have no exactly clue who you are. Um, you're well known to me, but who are you, Chris? Um, well, I guess uh, my name is Chris O'Brien. Um, I'm I'm internet famous for my my podcast, Running Inside Out. Um, I'm uh, world renowned for my mediocre trail running and uh, cunning wit in Rochester. So there you go. Awesome. So Chris has graciously. Uh, agreed to be my first subject here with this new show and the media that he's chosen to discuss is oh i'll, I'll say that uh the uh, back to the future trilogy back to the future trilogy the back to the future trilogy came out with the first one in 1985 85 i was a mere seven years old actually yeah i was about i was just about to be seven years old do you remember actually seeing this in the theaters when it first came out? I did. I did not. That was a uh, uh, the first the first viewing was a blockbuster video rental. Oh, blockbuster videos. <laughs> it's hard to believe there's actually still some around in the yeah. world. V- VHS style, you know. So your first viewing, what what got you into it? Who brought you into it? Um, you know, I don't really know. I I have to. I, I don't really. I don't know what the impetus was for viewing it or watching it. I have to think that it was one of those. You know. My uh, mom rented the movies for, you know, let's watch some movies tonight. And that's how we watched it. Um, that was how I watched a lot of 80s movies at first was like, we didn't do anything. We didn't go anywhere. So we would just like rent a movie and sit around at home and watch the movie. So Back to the Future, tell me a little bit about it. So uh, Back to the Future, for those who are living now, in the now, <laughs> um, it's uh, essentially there's a doctor who uh, invents a time machine, and uh, it's powered by plutonium, which he's stolen from the Libyans. And one day, our, our, um, our hero, Michael J. Fox, goes to the doc's house, finds that the doc's not there, gets a call. You know, all this, all this happens where um, Marty McFly happens upon the doc in a parking lot as he's running his very first tests of the time machine, and the Libyans are coming. And so right from the beginning, you have the, you have the stolen plutonium, the Libyans come in, and Marty McFly happening upon the doctor. The doctor. So Michael J. Fox plays Marty McFly, and mm-hmm. the doctor is? 
It's uh, Christopher our, Lloyd. Well, I was going to say it's I was trying to say what people know him from because Christopher Lloyd was right at that point. He was famous taxi. for doing taxi, yeah. but um, only people that are our age, 40 or older, are going to know taxi. <laughs> so I was trying to think what Christopher Lloyd had done recently that people would know him from. But anyways. And that's, that's kind of Michael J. Fox was in. He wasn't, he was just. He was in Family Ties. Family Ties. Yep. Had he done Werewolf yet? No, nope, he hadn't done Teen Wolf. So he um, was just breaking out himself. Well, that was, that was one of the big cruxes of the movie is it wasn't going to be Michael J. Fox. It, they originally shot about. Uh, a third to a half of the scenes with another actor. And because Michael J. Fox was doing Family Ties, he couldn't get out of the the commitment. And they got about a halfway through the movie, and they're like, this is a great actor, but it's just not working. Like, the chemistry's not there. They shot a few scenes with Michael J. Fox, and they're like, we have to make this work. So he's this young kid. He's doing Family Ties, the TV show, during the daytime. Somebody comes and picks him up, drives him over, to the studio and he shoots back to the future. So he's doing like double duty, um, to try to make this work. And as soon as it, as soon as they had a couple scenes on film with him, they're like, okay, you know, the other guy, you're sorry, you're out, you know? So this movie comes to us by the director, Robert Zemeckis. Um, Right. Which is interesting because I actually grew up with his cousins and they used to always talk about Robert Zemeckis this, Robert Zemeckis that. And it's always interesting if you like go through Robert Zemeckis' career, he has this thing with time travel and it just keeps mm-hmm. like reappearing. Um, but it also comes from Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy, that group. Um, and Bob Gale. Ba- and Bob Gale that basically, f- <laughs> in a way, formulated most of my childhood with film. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the same production team of everything with Amblin Entertainment going on. Yep. Um, so going back into the story, so, you know, he, he gets the plutonium, they go back in time, and where does he end up? So, so what happens is, the, the way that it happens, right, is the Libyans shoot Doc Brown, and Michael J. Fox is like, oh my God, they just killed Doc. I got to get out of here. And he hops into the DeLorean, right? And he doesn't know that it's a time machine, like how it works, he just gets in a DeLorean and he books it, right? And he takes off. And what an odd choice, a DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine if it was any other car, right? It, it would be kind of boring. There were a limited number of DeLoreans on the road, and it was extremely unique. And it was kind of a junky car, right? Um, but it's a very unique-looking car. It was, at the time, maybe the most futuristic car, you know? Absolutely. But... So he, he books it and accidentally transports himself back in time to 1955. Where he runs into? He runs into his mom. <laughs> and that mom was played by, uh, it was a Leah Thompson? Leah Thompson at that point, right. And, and his father played by? Oof, I, um, Crispin Glover? Crispin or? Glover, who has become much more famous and creepy now, oh, right? absolutely. He plays like he was in that Rats movie or whatever. Ooh, super creepy. Um, but yeah, so it was it, Leah Thompson, and what a, what a great pick for that role, right? Because she's known for like purity and being, you know, like kind and keen and uh, gentle, and suddenly she's hitting on her son, right? Yep. And I think that's the thing about this Back to the Future. Imagine that movie being shot now, right? Like. With all the pedantic internet trolls and all the like 
quick feedback message boards and everything like that, this movie would be absolutely destroyed on the internet, right? Like you'd get the nerds being like, uh, so uh, a gigawatt actually uh, in plutonium cannot power. And it would just, it would be destroyed on a technical level. It would be destroyed on a moral level. Like this is a movie about incest and oh my goodness, right? And the doc being super old and Marty being super young and all the pedantic stuff would just rip this movie apart. But this is 1985. Like the people that talk about it were the people in your own social circles, right? So your friends, if you're in the sci-fi or if you're in the comedy and action, you're talking to those friends about this movie. Did you see that? Oh my God, a hoverboard. I can't even believe it. Right. Um, and I think that's, what's really cool about this movie is that it, it's, it's definitely a product of its time. It hit this really sweet spot in the mid 1980s when everybody is super excited about like technology and, um, but technology hasn't got to a point where it's kind of eating itself, you know, and society is not, um, the idea of the internet troll is not invented. You know, the worst thing we had was Siskel and Ebert, right? And they would tear apart a movie mm -hmm. and, and what young kids cared about Siskel and Ebert's opinion of a movie. I always, when I was that age, I always got them confused with Bert and Ernie. <laughs> I was like, wait, oh, that's not the same person. <laughs> right. The two old guys up in the Muppets balcony. <laughs> so take me back. You're a young kid. You, you, they just picked it up for Blockbuster Video. They put it in. Old yep. VHS just sitting there. Yep. Cranking up. I think we, I think I probably watched that movie after I first saw, after I saw the first one, I probably watched it five to six times in the next month or so, which now that's probably not a lot, right? People sit in front of a Netflix show a whole bunch, but back then to watch a movie like five times, right? You had to rewind it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you had to sit there and wait for it to rewind before you yep. could actually start it over. And you only had one TV in the house, right? Yep. You had to, you were the one stealing the TV. And if you got it from Blockbuster, you had to go take it in, <laughs> yeah. put it through the drop, hopefully that they'll scan it so that yep. you can re-rent it back out and walk her back out the door. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I watched it a whole bunch. And there's so many things about it that are fun. I mean, the comedy is right on, right? Right from the very beginning of the Rube Goldberg machine that the doc has to feed Einstein, his dog, right? Right from that very beginning thing, you're just like, what? what is this all about? And then they got the silly gag with the speaker, and he blows the speaker, and the doc says, hey, don't, uh, don't play with the speaker. There's something wrong with the amplifier. Like... It's, it's all these little silly things that for a kid, you like, they, they have this way in the movie where they allow you to notice it and they don't like the Michael J. Fox, uh, Marty McFly's skateboard rolls underneath the bed and bumps into a box that says plutonium and they don't do anything else. They don't say anything else. He just picks up the skateboard and runs away. It's not like he peeks down there and goes, oh, plutonium. I wonder if that's going to matter later, but it allows you as a kid to be like, the news just said plutonium. And I just saw a box of plutonium. What's about to happen? You know, it, it you know it's foreshadowing on mm -hmm. a kid level, you know, right? Just and enough for you to right. make the connections and and on a very and on a kind of a fun creative level, right? And they they took this concept. Time travel movies are awesome, right? Let's face it, everybody loves the idea of time travel. What would you do if you could go back in time or forward in time? And they took it and they they did not overcomplicate it, right? They put it on the most basic way of. You go back in time, you don't want to meet any of your parents because you're going to change their life. What happens if you change their life? Oh, you might not exist, right? That's so simple. Everybody makes that first leap. 
And then you start things like um, they meet at the Twin Pines Mall. Well, when Marty goes back into time, the DeLorean runs over one of the trees. When they go back to the future, back to 1985, it's the Lone Pine Mall. Simple, little, little, you know, but when you watch it, you go, wow, that's kind of neat, you know? Like, yeah, they show the little pieces of the butterfly effect and how yeah, it, you know. But they don't, they don't overburden it with the technicalities. Right. You know, they let it be fun. So you watched it five or six times. What, what were the long-lasting effects of it? I mean, where does it... I think there's apply to your life there. Uh, you know, at, when you're in high school, there was the, just the jokes, right? Like, hey, you get your damn hands off her, right? Like, how many times did I did we say that line, or right? Or like, I can't give you a tab unless you order something. You know, just all those silly little jokes. Um, one point twenty one gigawatts, eighty eight miles per hour. All these things sort of work their way into your vernacular a little bit, you know. And then you see things like self-lacing shoes in Back to the Future 2. You see the hoverboard chase, and you're like, we totally should have hoverboards. And then now you see that carrying out. People that were inspired by Back to the Future become inventors and actually make a hoverboard. You know, um, the idea of uh, the concept of going back in time and having the sports almanac and knowing who's going to win the World Series and... Like you, you bring those jokes sort of into your life, and uh, that that was one of the biggest things. And Michael J. Fox just became kind of this constant in my life. Every everything he did, I just I watched. I even got into Family Ties because of Back to the Future, you know. Um, and then you see Michael J. Fox get Parkinson's, and you're like, wow, you know, you've seen him from this little kid. Now he's this grown man having this struggle, and you see him fighting through it, and it. It's just this persistent thing in your life, you know? And so they, they put out Back to the Future, and they realize, man, they have a hit on their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets nominated for uh, and wins for Best Oscar for Best Effects and Best Sound Effects Setting. So it actually got an Oscar to its name. Um, in terms of rating, the first one is far above what the other two are. Mm-hmm. You get the second one, which is them going into the future as opposed to back to the future. Um and then you have the third one, which brings them way back in the past, back <laughs> yep. into the West. Um, I personally don't like the third one, even though I like Westerns. <laughs> oh, man. See, that's the funny but, thing. Like, yeah. um, They play on each movie, though. Each one goes into the other one, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, even in the third one, some of the themes are the same, right? It was called, um, it was called uh, Barton Ravine, and then it, be, it becomes... Um, Eastwood Ravine, right? Um, so, or yeah, yep. Bart, um, because she didn't, because Clara Barton didn't die going over the Eastwood did, yeah. right? So uh, they thought Eastwood did, yeah. right? Because he because he took the DeLorean, yeah. across. But but those the same themes are there, and some people didn't like it because it got it got tired, right? Like that's that's part of it, I guess. Some of the gags got old, but if you're a fan of it, you love those kind of subtle callbacks. The biggest thing was. Why do we even like Marty McFly? There's no reason to like Marty McFly. He's, you don't know about like, he doesn't grow in these movies at all. He never learns a lesson. He never becomes like a better person. He's just a guy going through this thing, trying to get a girlfriend, you know, trying to get a wife, trying to keep his family like tree from going. But he's, there's no real like protagonist appeal to him. And, um, that's what's funny to me is why do we why do we even care about Marty McFly? What's it matter? Right. 
And yet we still watch. And so every time that he got called chicken, I'm like, you're an idiot. You're, you're being called chicken and you go and, you know, get yourself into a gunfight, get yourself into a drag race, get yourself into a, a fight at a dance because you're an idiot, you know? And some of that is part of the product of the times. I mean, there's some things that like, this is what you would call somebody who was mm-hmm. a bully or, or mm-hmm. wanted to get them upset at you during the eighties. Now, you know, yeah. to, to <laughs> what you have to say to somebody to, yeah. to get them into a fight is completely different. But the second movie, um, when it went back into the first movie and they show him running through the dance and they show him actually drop the sandbags on the three people that were chasing him, right? Biff's bullies were, uh, Biff's goons were chasing him. He drops the sandbags and then you see him walk off the stage after playing. You know, it's, that's just fun stuff when you think about time travel without getting too like into the, well, that obviously couldn't happen, right. you know? Um, and I guess that was the thing about the third one. All those jokes were spent, you know, there. But I, I, I enjoy all three of them, you know. Yeah, I mean, you have them kind of using the same, like the the manure mm-hmm. scene yep. over in all right. three in all three different versions to three different biffs. Yep. You know? But like the second one was super dark, right? And so I think they the third one was a blend of humor and darkness, right? Mm-hmm. And but the third one is really, if you think about it, it's less about Marty. And in that movie it's actually all about Doc. About Doc, yeah. Yeah, the whole movie is focused on Doc, which maybe might have rubbed some people the wrong way. Like why do they care about Doc? Because they've had Marty for two movies. It, well, it makes you think it was this it was this actually about Doc the whole time. The yeah. whole thing is all about Doc and not about Marty. Yep. It's, it's very interesting because there, like I said, there's no reason to care about Marty McFly. There's none, yeah. you know, and he even gets an upgrade in his truck during the process. Of the <laughs> so like, what the hell? Yeah. He gets everything. So there, those are the, the wrap up of the movies there. And there's some interesting things I was pulling out about like some of the, the people that pop up in these movies yeah. outside of those main, you got Billy Zane pops up in the first one. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you've got flea pops up. Yep. As one of Biff's uh, yep. side goons, got Elijah Wood pops up as one of uh, who's the kid playing the arcade. Right? Uh, he's playing. Uh, he was playing what? Um, he's the one that took over the game for Michael J. Fox, right? Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, it, yeah, there's a lot of people in and it. Then and you then you got the ZZ Top. In, in the well, one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Huey Lewis did the soundtrack, yep. right, for the first one. And Huey Lewis was like, eh, I don't know. And then he did it. Yeah, well, The Power of Love was like the big one. And then, because he's like, I don't want to write a song about time travel. And they're like, well, don't just write a song. And so he did Power of Love, which was it. And then Back in Time rolled at the end credits, you know. Um, So you got those two. And then you've got Mark Silvestri. Mm-hmm. making the, the main which, theme, which I mean, that, everybody recognizes that right. theme as soon as you hear it. That theme is big deal, right? And then there's that little, that little. Uh, you can hear it in the Ready Player One soundtrack. It's that, yeah. that little <laughs> tiny little thing that everybody knows. Oh, that's the Back to the Future thing that something's going to happen. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's neat. I mean, and some of those cultural tropes still stay around, right? Like everybody knows 1.21 gigawatts, right? Like even if... And 88 miles an hour is just a big joke, right? That just is subtle in the culture now, and it's just stuck there. I swear I just heard somebody in the news broadcast just used 88 miles an hour the other day. He's like, oh, yeah, I know. i got to keep it up at 88 miles an hour. It's <laughs> like, what? Are you, yeah. what? So, so those are all super important and funny jokes to me in my lifetime. And uh, so my kids are seven. I was seven when this movie came out. Hey, yeah. let's watch some Back to the Future. 
Um, number one, I did not realize how much casual swearing is in this movie. <laughs> like, and they're not, it's not hardcore. It's just casual, you know, um, Marty just busts out a couple words or, you know, Biff and they, they just happen. I found this as I've been taking my girls back on some of the movies like that. I watched when I was young. I'm like, wow, this has a lot more adult oriented <laughs> stuff, a lot more. I'm like, I don't remember all this. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, you, you kind of get this like embarrassment moment as yeah. an adult, but you're like, you know what? I turned out fine. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> and and this is the context for them to hear the words in, right? I mean, these are not these are not hardcore words. These are um, people doing it in in dramatic situations, right? And what the other part was, and I'm beginning to learn this with all of media that my kids consume, is that our movies were much our movies movies in the '80s, especially, were much slower with their setups and their payoffs, right? Like the idea of one first act, second act, third act, right? Um, the first act of 80s movies and even some early 90s movies is much slower than what we see today. Today you open with an explosion and a kabang and a kaboom and you got like, you got a whole bunch of action happen and then they tell you who's involved. And that's the exact opposite. So in, in Back to the Future, Back to the Future, Starts off with a kid waking up in bed and like, and what's he? Why is this guy there? And what's it matter? Sure, we talked about the the Libyans, but that's it. Once that happens, the dude's in 1955. Yeah, and watching <laughs> that out of context, you don't get the Libyan joke, and you realize like, oh yeah, it was very newsworthy yeah. at that time. So yeah. it was prominent. Like parents would be like, oh yeah, there we go. There's the Libyans. <laughs> now we're just like. Who? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just boring for them. They were bored out of their mind. And so I would skip over, like in an effort to try to salvage some of it, I would skip over some of the slightly boring parts just so that they could see the flames, right? And see the flames come off the tires and see them go back in time. Or I would go to the part where he's playing at the ball and he's playing this music or... I, I would try to find the cool scenes, and I think they sort of liked it. Honestly, they kind of liked the third one the most because it was about trains and about Wild West and about guns and, like, things that they don't see very often, you know, um, a world that they, they don't really know. So it, it's very funny to sort of, again, talk about how meaningful it was for us because it, it took – the 1980s that we knew and sort of extended it back into the past and showed us how it happened. And then it stretched forward. And let's not talk about the the climate that they go to in 2015 mm-hmm. <laughs> and how similar it feels to 2018. You know, they got so many things right when predicting the future. It's pretty crazy. Like the Cubs winning the World Series. Who... Really? I mean, like, your odds are some they're going to win sometime, but, but the fact that they actually put it down in the movie was, and you know, and that it actually had a team in Florida, <laughs> yeah, at that time, and that was, was uh, yeah, this was seven, eight years before that even happened. Yep. So. so I mean, they they did a lot of things right, but now it it holds up for me because I experienced it, but I don't know that it holds up for the kids. Whereas I think something else that Spielberg did, like Indiana Jones, I think that would hold up better for kids. And I think some of that revolves around technology. When you have something mm-hmm. that's like a historical context, mm-hmm. like Indiana Jones per se, you have something that's like, oh, it's so far back that it's a historical drama mm-hmm. um, per se. 
Um, whereas Back to the Future, it's the 80s. I mean, they how yeah. much, uh, and it's technology. But I think a lot of it plays into the fact that when we were that age, our, our sphere of media influence was very, very small. Yep. We didn't have much to choose from. Blockbuster was the bomb or yep. the theater. <laughs> Um, or what you could tune into on the radio, yep. um, or go check out of the library. But even then, I don't think you, you couldn't check any videos or anything out of the library at that. It was before they even started mm-hmm. that. Yep. But now, I mean, kids have access to everything. You pull up a tablet, you pull up a phone, you pull mm-hmm. up Netflix. You have a wealth of stuff that mm-hmm. you can watch at any point in time. And a lot of it's really good. There's a lot yep. of crap in there that's thrown yep. in. But the water's been so diluted that if they didn't have access to that, I think... Maybe yep. that influence would be a little bit different. Which, which Back to the Future also got right, right? The different the wall screens and you know young Marty McFly picking what he wants to watch on the TV. Yep. So I mean they they did a lot of things right. I wish they could have predicted a happier 2015, but you know whatever. Um, well, I I do think though give it still give it a try with the kids. Like don't be off put, right? I mean you got you got to give them a, give it a try. My my feeling is I. I try to introduce my children to everything that I've found enjoyable throughout my life. Yeah, and and if then they, they have their own option whether they're going to like it or not. Yep. Um, and they'll find stuff that they'll like and stuff that they won't. And, you know, in 30 years, maybe somebody will be asking them a question. It's like, well, when was the first time you watched that? And then yep. it's like, well, my dad pulled this out and I didn't really like it at the time. But then as I thought about it, you know, mm-hmm. there's, you never know what's going to come yep. up. And the one that I haven't mentioned yet that plays a part every day in my life is uh roads where we're going we don't need any roads yeah and on that note i'd like to thank uh mr o'brien for being my first guest here chris where can we find you i think the best place to find me is running inside out podcast.com that's the best place that's honestly the best place that's yeah. got all your Everything yeah, that's connected I mean, to that's, you. That's the only stuff worthwhile. You can go see my blog at ChristopherO'Brien.net that hasn't been updated in three years. <laughs> and as always, you can find me pretty much anywhere as at GF Media. And you can find us at culturalstew.net, at culturalstew.net on Twitter, and culturalstew on Facebook. Thank you very much, and catch you next time. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider sponsoring us on Patreon. Patreon is a creator support system that allows people to support the things they love and creators to continue doing what they love. Head on over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and choose the Cultural Stew podcast levels to show your support for us. Thank you.
This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.